We've had this tradition in the last few weeks where we have someone come and, and read uh, our passage that we're going to teach on this morning. We have Max Mayako, uh, who is a middle schooler at Calvary Christian School and happens to be the son of Nicole, who you just saw. And uh, we were doing a little practice run earlier. Max, I think you've grown like five inches since I saw you last week. So we're looking eye to eye right now. And so, Max, why don't you read us uh, this great passage from the Gospel of Luke chapter 3. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. John used many such warnings as he announced the good news to the people. John also publicly criticized, criticized Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, for marrying Herodus, his brother's wife, and for many other wrongs he had done. So Herod put John in prison, adding this sin to his many others. Good morning, everybody. It is good to be here with you guys. Good morning. Thank you for that greeting. Uh, my name is Matt Hemphill. Uh, I'm the pastor here at New Life. Uh, it's really good to be with you guys today. Uh, this is one of our favorite traditions. I think this is the fourth or fifth year in a row we're on Super Bowl Sunday, New Life in Calvary. We get to worship together as one body, and we love it. Our whole family, we look forward to this every year. Uh, a few things about me, if I haven't got a chance to meet you. Uh, this is uh, my family. I'm going to throw a f family photo up on the back. This is... Uh, <clears throat> I've had the privilege of marrying Calvary royalty, Aaron Hemphill. Uh, we've been married for 10 years. And then I have my five-year-old, Jameson. Uh, we have a three-year-old daughter named Georgia. And we have a three-week-old son, Walker. Um, so if I, if I doze off in the middle of my own sermon, give me a little grace, okay? It's uh, quite a circus in our home right now. Uh, both my wife and I, we grew up here at Calvary. Um, we fell in love with Jesus in this room at high school ministry, junior high ministry here. This is where God got a hold of our hearts. Uh, Calvary will always be home, and we absolutely just love being here. Um, like Matt said earlier, New Life was a Calvary church plant eight years ago. Eight years ago, we were on this stage being commissioned, and now it's crazy to be here almost a decade later. But all that to say, I'm just excited to be here with you guys. Uh, I know you are in the third week of a Get Ready series, a Get Ready series that focuses on the beginning of Jesus's ministry, but also asking the question of what does it look like for your ministry to begin? And so you heard the passage that was read earlier. That was great. And I'm going to focus in on Luke chapter 3, verse 16. So I'm going to read that again, if you don't mind. Go ahead and throw that up on the screen. Luke chapter 3, verse 16. It says this. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave 
and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's a bold statement. And in order for us to grasp the power of this verse and to fully take in all of its meaning, we need to look back. Uh, This verse right here is actually a connector between two stories, and we're going to take a look at both stories to see what God has for us. So I'm going to have you flop again. Take your Bible and go to 2 Chronicles chapter 6. This is where the origins of this story begin in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 40. Let me set the scene for you guys. Uh, this is a huge day for the nation of Israel. Um, King David had this idea that we're going to build the Lord a permanent house. Up until this point, it was, he dwelt primarily in the tabernacle, which was portable, But David said, why is it fair that I have this nice palace, but the Lord doesn't have anything? So he begins to come up with plans to build the temple. He raises the funds. He lays the the plans for it. He gathers the materials. But it's actually his son who does the actual building. And after seven years of building the temple, 2 Chronicles chapter 6 is the dedication ceremony of the first ever temple for Yahweh. So it's a huge day. So let's read kind of what happens. Solomon, he gives this incredible prayer, and look how he ends the prayer on the temple dedication. Verse 40, oh my God, may your eyes be open and your ears attentive to all the prayers made to you in this place. And now, verse 41, arise, O Lord, and enter your resting place, along with the ark, the symbol of your power. May your priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation. May your loyal servants rejoice in your goodness. O Lord God, do not reject the king you have anointed. Remember your unfailing love for your servant David. Watch what happens. Keep reading. Chapter 7, verse 1. When Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifices, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. Verse 2. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. When all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, watch what happened. They fell face down on the ground and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Stop. Pause. You better have taken that in. This is a huge story, right? Solomon, he has a dedication prayer. It's kind of like the ribbon-cutting ceremony, right? And as he's cutting the ribbon, he says something bold, and dangerous. He says, Lord, fill this place. May your presence enter right now. And what happens? Fire comes down from heaven and consumes the altar, completely devours it, baptizes it. It's completely submerged in fire. And then what follows? The presence of the Lord fills it to such a degree that the priests, they had to get out. 
There's an invitation for the Lord to come. There's a fire that falls down and the presence of the Lord fills it. Can you imagine that? Uh, raise your hand if you've ever seen an uncontrolled fire. It's like not a fireplace, not a campfire. I'm talking an uncontrolled fire. I remember a few years ago, okay, a few of you, a few years ago, um, I'm asleep. I, I went to bed before my wife that night, and my wife comes running in and says, there's a fire outside. There's a fire outside. And I jump up out of bed, and I see kind of these this orange light outside of our window, and I run to the bathroom, and I look out the window, and Doug and Jesse Brown, their planter and their fence had caught on fire. And I remember, one, it's like two in the morning, so I'm not all there, and I'm looking at the fire, and I just start to panic. I had not seen a fire that close. They were our next-door neighbor, completely uncontrolled. My wife, she's the hero. She runs down the stairs. She bursts into the Browns' house. She says, your house is on fire. You got to do something. Thankfully, neighbors jump in and they put the fire out. But two things stood out to me that night. One, my wife is way better under pressure than me. <laughs> and two, an uncontrolled fire is terrifying. Like, can you imagine right now, Josh, he closes in prayer for the last song and fire just lights the stage on fire. Like some of you would run for the exit, right? I asked Ryan if that was possible this Sunday, but he shot it down. <laughs> but I need you to really like take this in. It's not a fairy tale. This is a gathering just like this. They're singing songs, they're praying, and fire falls down. The presence of God fills it. It just would have been quite the spectacle to say the least, right? And there's two things it did. One, everybody worshipped. When you see the glory of the Lord, you see the power on full display, you can't help but fall down and worship. But it also created an expectation in the nation of Israel Right? When they saw the glory of the Lord fall, when they saw the baptism of fire come down, they couldn't help but say, wow, what is the Lord going to do through us and through this place? It led to worship, and it created an expectation. This was the nation of Israel's get ready moment. They see fire fall down, and they're saying, we better get ready because the Lord is up to something big. And let me tell you this, as great as this story is, it's actually foreshadowing for something greater. Second Chronicles chapter 6, the dedication ceremony of Solomon's temple, this is the trailer to the main attraction. And we're supposed to read this story with anticipation for something greater. This isn't supposed to be the main dish. This is the appetizer. So are you ready for the main attraction? Are you ready to see what this story points to? I got one thumbs up. Can I get a second amen? All right, I'll take it. Acts chapter 1 is the real deal. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. We see what this story points to. Acts chapter 1 verse 3. It says this. 
During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he, this being Jesus, appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Verse 4. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Verse 5. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Does that verse sound familiar? This is Jesus referencing Luke chapter 3, the verse that we just read, the verse that we're landing on today. Jesus is referencing it, telling his disciples, get ready. Do not leave. Something big is about to happen. Get ready. Turn the page, Acts chapter 2. Let's see what happens. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Verse 3, Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Stop right there. This is the fulfillment of Luke chapter 3, and this is what Second Chronicles chapter 6 is foreshadowing. Let me set the scene. These stories are parallel. See, Pentecost is the dedication ceremony of the true temple of God. See, God's plan all along was not for him to dwell in a physical building, but to dwell where? In us. Uh, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You don't need to turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 says, Don't you realize, Calvary, don't you realize, new life, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? What happened on Pentecost Sunday? We see the true temple of the Lord baptized with fire, and filled with the presence of God. Isn't that exactly a mirror image of what we read in 2 Chronicles? We see the temple anointed, consumed, baptized in fire, and the result is a filling with the presence of God. This was God's plan all along. This is what he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and God now dwells in each of us. Each and every one of you in here who has placed their faith and their trust in Jesus has been transformed into a temple of God. Amen? Amen. Here's the problem. Many of you do not see yourselves as a temple that's been baptized with fire and filled with the presence of God. If we're being honest, I think for many of us, we feel like an abandoned strip mall. We feel like a vacant apartment. We might even feel like a condemned building. Meaning we look at our past or we look at our present. We see our addictions and we see our shortcomings. And we look in the mirror and we see our physical appearance. 
and we remember the times that we blew up on our children last week, and we've been divorced, we've done things to people we shouldn't, and we've had things, people do things to us that they shouldn't. And we've concluded that we will never be temples. We'll always be just a broken down home. We fail to see ourselves as we rightfully are in the kingdom of heaven. As I'm telling you, you're a temple baptized with fire, filled with the presence of God. There's a voice in your head that says that might be true for some, but it's not true for me. And it's, it's a failure to grasp the power of the Messiah. Let me illustrate. The other day, I cooked up the best breakfast of my life. Are you ready for this? Uh, I cracked a couple eggs in a skillet. I threw in some prime skirt steak. I added pickled onions, corn, cojita cream, and I chopped up some french fries. And I made it all in this giant dish, and I served it to our friend, who Melissa Broche, some of you guys know her. We often kind of swap breakfasts. And she says, Matt, this was incredible. And I said, I know. <laughs> she said, no, like, I, you've cooked for me before. This is unlike anything else you've ever made. But in that moment, I felt like a hypocrite. Do you want to know why? Because the night before, Gina Ring, a New Life member, had dropped off a meal for us. We have a meal train going on right now for Baby Walker. And she brings over prime skirt steak that she cooked, pickled onions that she pickled, homemade chimichurri, cojita cream. I took her ingredients, I threw them in a bowl and cracked an egg, folks. <laughs> because I'm only as good as the ingredients that are before me. Have you guys ever seen the show Chopped? How many of you seen Chopped? Harris's, I know we do, okay, let me explain it. It's a cooking competition, it's so fun. They give real cooks a basket before them. And in the basket are secret ingredients. And they have to make a dish from whatever is in the basket. And if you've ever seen the show, the basket contains the most random assortment of ingredients. The, the, the chefs will open it and they'll pull out almonds, frog legs, and Tabasco, and be asked to make something from it. And you, at the beginning of every episode, you go, there's no way they're going to turn that into something special. And every episode, what happens? It's incredible. Somehow, they find a way to take hodgepodge ingredients and make it into something special. Because that's what a good cook can do. A real chef is not bound by the ingredients. I'm not. I'm a pretend chef. <laughs> I can maybe put something together if you give me the right stuff, but if I don't got the right stuff, um, I'm getting Taco Bell that morning. And yet, when we think of Jesus, we think that he is bound and he is confined 
to the ingredients set before him. See, I need you guys to hear me. The mistake that the nation of Israel made was they mistook John for the Messiah. They said, John, are you the Messiah? They're confusing. And John said, no. But do you, not want, do you want to know what the mistake we make? Is we mistake the Messiah for John. Meaning we force the Messiah to be confined by human limitations. We force Jesus into what's humanly possible. And so we look at our lives and we see the brokenness, we see our past, we see our shortcomings, we recognize we don't bring a good foundation to the Lord, and so we conclude, because of my shattered foundation, he can never make me into a, temp a temple. We're mistaking him for John. John says in Luke chapter 3, you've got it all wrong. My baptism is a baptism of water. The Messiah is a baptism of fire. Like, I can only wash the outside, but he can transform the inside and transform you completely. When we think it could never be a temple, we're limiting God and we are reducing him to human standards. When what John is trying to tell the nation of Israel and what he's trying to tell us is that Jesus is unlike anything we've ever seen before. He is not bound by the ingredients set before him. He doesn't need a perfect structure. Because he is the God-man, because he is the Son of God, he can turn all of us into temples, baptizing us with fire and filling us with his presence. Can I get an amen? Amen. Beautiful. So I need you to repeat after me. Ready? I am a temple. Baptized with fire. Filled with the presence of God. Okay, New Life, which has 50 people, can do it louder than you guys. Come on, one more time. I am a temple. Baptized with fire. Filled with the presence of God. Amen. So why does this matter? You're saying, Matt, okay. Like, what does this actually mean for my life? It's 2023. I got a business. I got three kids. I'm finishing up my college degree. I'm trying to get through high school. What does it matter? Well, for starters, when you view yourself as an abandoned strip mall, when you view yourself as a vacant, empty lot, when you view yourself as a condemned property, you're more likely to engage in destructive behaviors. Uh, there's been studies performed where if you take a group of 20 kids with the exact same education and intelligence level, but you tell half the group you're honor roll students, and you tell the other half you're failing, guess what happens? Their behavior begins to match their label. For some reason, just telling a kid you're in honor roll actually improves his performance. And unfortunately, the flip side, telling a child you're not smart and you're failing, his grades actually reflect the label. 
Every time the enemy tells you you're a broken piece of property, you're an empty home, you're a no good empty mall, guess what's more likely to happen? Destructive, broken behavior. But when you grasp the message of Luke, when you grasp the power of the Messiah and you realize, I am not those things, I am a temple baptized with fire and filled with the presence of God, guess what happens? You begin to walk towards holiness. You begin to step towards righteousness. How you view yourself and the identity in which you walk in determines how you live. Secondly, many of you in this room, when you think of 2023 and what God has in store for you, you think, I'm going to go to church on Sundays. I may or may not be part of a small group, and I'm going to give a little bit of money. And that's the extent to which God is going to work through me. I need you to place yourself in the shoes of the Israelites in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. I want you to imagine fire bursting through, consuming the altar, baptizing with fire, and imagine some of them walking away saying, wow, well, you know, it's probably going to be a pretty quiet year this year. You know, I don't really expect anything to come from that. Like, that was pretty cool. That was probably a one-off, right? It's just going to be back to status quo, right? You'd want to shake them, and you'd say, no, that creates expectation for what is the Lord going to do through this place. If he just did that, he's probably not done. And my prayer is that when we would realize, wait, if we really are temples, and if we really have been baptized with fire, and we really have been filled to the point of overflow with the Spirit of God, then I'm going to bet my money God's going to use me this year in some pretty incredible ways. Like, it should create an expectation of how is the Lord going to use me to advance his kingdom because he did not create me as a temple just to have me sit. He did not baptize me with fire just to go back to the status quo. He did that so that he can move through me in mighty ways. And he has made me that to build his kingdom. And I want us, when we look at this year, that there would be some hair standing up on the back of our necks, that our hearts would start beating fast. And if I really am a temple, Lord, then let's get ready. Let's get ready. Let's get ready for miracles. Let's get ready for people coming to know Jesus. Let's get ready for opening up our home to the broken. Let's get ready. It should create in you an expectation that God is going to move. And lastly, we don't hear a message like this. We're not reminded of this. And immediately our first response should be we need to praise Jesus. What happened when the temple scene, the first one? 
everybody in awe fell down and praised God. If this message is true, the only response that is fitting is to praise him. If he really has transformed you into a temple, if he really has baptized you with fire, if he really has made you a new creation where you are filled to the point of overflow with the Spirit of God, how can we not praise? How can we not fall on our knees and say, God, who else is like you? Who else can take something like me and turn it into something beautiful like that? Every single one of us, when we hear John's message and we hear the words of Jesus, it should lead us to fall on our knees and praise. Say, God, I'm a temple. I have been baptized with fire and I'm filled with your presence and so I will shout a declaration of praise today because I can't think of what else to do. I can't think of a better way to respond than to give glory to God. One more time, repeat after me. I am a temple (laughs) baptized with fire and filled with the presence of God. Amen. Let us pray. God, we praise you that you are not bound by the ingredients that are set before you. God, we praise you that you don't need a perfect structure to build a temple. God, we praise you that you don't just bring a baptism of water, but you do bring a baptism of fire. God, we praise you that you fill us with your spirit. You fill us with your presence. Regardless of what our past looks like, Regardless of what we're going through right now, your glory and your power overshadows us. And we praise you, God. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that this message and these truths would go from our heads deep into our hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. You guys, we're going we're gonna to respond in a few ways. We're going to respond, like I said, with praise. I hope right now the Holy Spirit stirs in you a passionate desire to praise, to hit your knees, to raise your hands, to declare God's goodness, to say, I was once this, but now I'm this. I was once broken, and now I'm whole. I was once empty, and now I'm filled. I was once an empty lot, and now I'm a temple of God. But we want to invite you to respond in a couple other ways. We believe there are some of you here tonight who have not placed your faith in Jesus and therefore have not been made into temples. Uh, Solomon, before the baptism happens of fire, what did he do? He invited God to fill this place. And scriptures say that when we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, When there's an invitation to come, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Come and overshadow me. Your grace, your glory, your love come into my life. That is when the baptism of fire and the temple transformation happens. And we believe there are some of you in this room who have not done that. And we don't want to go a single day further without that. And so we're actually going to open up these stairs And we're going to ask some of you to come forward and to receive the presence of God, to invite the Lord into your life and to allow some of us as leaders to pray over you and watch that transformation take place.
But I also want to invite other people up front. There's some of you today, you have bought into the lie that you are broken down and you've been living a broken, destructive life. You've been harming your bodies. You've been harming your friends. You've been harming yourself in the name of who you think you are, an empty, broken piece of property. And we want to lay hands on you today and rededicate you as the temple you are. We want to lay hands and help you walk into the identity that Christ has already made you. You are not those things. And for some of you, you need a bold moment to say, Lord, I want to repent. I'm tired of living this life. If you've made me into a temple, then I want to live like a temple. If you've filled me with your presence, I want to walk in your spirit. And for some of you today, coming forward is the first step towards living the holy life God has called you to live. And lastly, I want people to come forward who want to be commissioned for their own ministry. I want people to come forward who have an expectation in them that if I am truly the temple, then the Lord will work through me this year more than just sitting and attending, more than just me sitting on the sidelines. I'm going to be an active participant in the kingdom of God. Would you come forward and let us commission you? Would you allow us to place hands on you and pray for the Lord to use you more this year than he ever has in your entire life? There's gonna be a group of Calvary leaders. There's gonna be a group of New Life leaders. And we simply want to engage with you. We wanna invite you to come. We want you to kneel in your seats. We want you to stand. We want you to reflect. We want you to respond however you want. But we believe there are a certain select few today will be transformed into the temples God wants you to be, will be rededicated for his glory, and will be commissioned for a year of ministry. So let us respond and let us worship. And let us praise the one who baptizes us with fire and fills us with his presence. Amen. Let us worship.